Hello, lovely people. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time of the day it is at your end. For me, it's still morning. Um, I had a really tiring week, like my bones are so tired. <laughs> and I just want to do this um, early recording for next week. What's my day, what's my week been like? Up and about, up and about, up and about. Like, go in the morning, come back later tonight. reply your messages and then sleep that's what's mainly been about for me how's it been for you let's take a minute to reflect if you could go back to change something within last week what would it have been for my answer if i could go back in time to change something that happened within last week i think uh what i would change is my um tolerance level that's tolerance to bullshit and try to um avoid situations that make me compromise on things i've steadily worked hard for or habits i've steadily worked hard um to inculcate now uh, for this week, what what I want us to talk about? So I have this beautiful babe, like this really smart and intelligent woman. I got to know a very long time ago through Isaac. Hey, Isaac. <laughs> um, we've had a lot of interactions and became friends all through it. Uh, today, I want to talk to her about her project work that she did for her MSc uh, with the University of Ghana. So uh, this project has to do with the Kaya Ye girls. So uh, we are going to be talking to her to know more about that project. What was the inspiration behind the project? Why Kaya Ye girls? Why are you doing this? And then what's the future? Is this is it just a project work that's going to begin and end? So we are we are going to have it on the show in a few seconds. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee or a bottle of water or wine i do love me some red wines and uh, we'll get it rolling i'll be right back hey hey miha what's up <laughs> okay, Samiha, let's meet Samiha first of all. Samiha is a social policy professional. She has a Bachelor of Arts uh, focused in integrated community development. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> integrated community development from the university for development studies. And then she continued with an MA in social policy at the University of Ghana. She's a technology enthusiast who is interested in how behavioral science can help influence social work policy in the development and the implementation of people-oriented projects. So she's the co-founder of an organization called Ilmiha, which is a research institute with a behavioral science insights lab. Basically, Miha's ultimate career goal is to first of all, establish new and effective social work procedures that depart from traditional business as usual approaches she believes this new form should be technology oriented scalable and measurable allowing for quantifiable outcomes and social 
impact to be determined that's just so beautiful and a lot of words but we are going to talk to her and understand what all of this means in our lean terms firstly inspiration towards um reading a second degree okay so um <laughs> it's, it's it's very funny right so uh I, I think i didn't really plan to go to graduate school but i had to because of my mom so she wanted me to read law and i didn't want to read law. so the alternative was to read like something that at least she would just know that i'm going back to school but not law so we had agreed that if I go back to graduate school and do a master's, then it means that I will continue from there. I will do a PhD. And she was fine. I said, okay, then I'll choose that option over law because I didn't want to study law. So basically, it was more for my mom. But if you ask the course, why did I choose? Um, I could have done master's in any course, right? But then why did I choose social policy studies? It's, it was more for me, for my career. And then what I was looking forward to do later on in life, or what I'm looking forward to do now which okay. is um like becoming a policy analyst and okay. because it's more about like policies that do not align or are not in our favor as women and girls so basically that's why okay because I, I read something about um the um one of your goals had to do with away from the traditional ways of doing things and yeah trying all these um, non-conventional methods. Now, I've followed your everything you for a while and I see most of the time um, you're posting about Kayaye, Kayaye girls, my girls. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what Kayaye is? Okay, so for just um, people who are probably hearing what Kayaye is for the first time, Kayaye is our headquarters and it's coined from a Hausa word, um, Kaya, which means load or burden and a gar word so it's like you know uh, those days they, they we have these words that this is how people call it but then because it's within Accra they find a way of just adding their own words to it so in gar if you say yeah, it means uh, like burden right so they just added it to kaya which is like a plural form um kaya you is singular which is like one person kaya is like plural form so uh, okay. kaya is okay. our headquarters they are headquarters and they are usually women within the central business market in Accra, Kumasi, and Tamale. Depending on and Techima and Tamale, yes. Depending on depending on uh, where which markets they find them, they have different names, uh, different names and variation that you call them. So in Kumasi, they call them Paopa. And within within Accra and Tamale, it's commonly known as Kayai. And within Techima too, they call them Kayai. But within um so this is very funny, right? I think a lot of people don't know that within um, city campus, University of Ghana city campus, where you find some of the girls helping out with the students, they call them anyway. But they are like Kayai girls. So They call them anyway, yeah. Wow. <laughs> what does that mean? Because the girls come to them and ask them anyway. Like, is there any work for me to Anything do? Anything to yes. do. Okay. Exactly. So... That's um, interesting. There are usually girls within the market who carry loads for people, and the term is like headquarters. But I mean, people just find local local languages to classify them or to describe. Okay. Them. 
it's a word coined from a guy and then Hausa word. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I. But for so most few of times, these women are usually them. from the northern parts. Like most of these men and girls you find are usually from the northern parts. And okay. they most of them come to Accra and different parts of Accra, Tamale, um Pechima and Kumasi, um, just to uh, escape from poverty and different reasons. Some of them as a result of forced marriage, some of them they all have different reasons. Mm. Okay. Um. Like I was saying that I usually, on the few occasions I go, I don't think I pay so much attention to, um, the kaya you or then the kaya yes, mm. because I've never really thought about them, and I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who do not think about them. Now I want to know what sparked your interest, particularly in how. This has become something of passion to you. Okay. First of first of all, I tell people that I'm a Kayae and they laugh. And they laugh at it. But in actual sense, I am. I am because, like I rightly described, there are girls who move from the northern areas, like from the northern areas to um to the towns and cities to fend for themselves, to avoid the poor situations, to strive for their families. And also to like help their families back home, right? And yeah. I mean, I'm a typical northern girl who also have often left home. Like I've left home to Accra. I'm currently working in Accra, and you know the description of they carry the burden. Like that description of Kayai, it's it's like creating better livelihoods for themselves and their community, and standing up for themselves and watching because at, at the end of the day, they carry this. They carry all these loads. To make money it's like their source of livelihood right i am in accra because it's my source of livelihood as well so for me i think it's 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 very personal and i look deep 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 down it's beyond how everybody sees them and mm. uh what really really got my attention was packed my interest more and more so in 2017 i had a friend who is a medical doctor and he used to like work because he's his his clinic is in the market like it's in the market so usually the girls come to him and then he doesn't speak that money so he will call me to translate for him and like it was getting intense like more and more i do more of this translation right but um sometimes popped to me like okay why are these girls always even in the market in the first place with all these things that they go through some of them are usually raped some of them get to the market and get all forms of diseases the, like all sort of things happen to them in the market. And then once in a while, my friend would organize like an engagement with the girls just to talk about certain diseases, to educate them and all that. And I would go with him. But the more and more I was spending time with them, the more I was understanding that there were different, like different, these girls were beyond how everybody saw them. In mm. 2019, when COVID hit, I had the opportunity to work with UNFPA. And that was when I really got deep and deep close. And like, you know how you begin to bond with people and you can understand or you can explain, but you just get so attached to them. So yeah. um, during the project, I was a facilitator and I was a facilitator and we we're doing different, different, like different forms of activities and like educating them and different, including SRH, like teaching them SRH. Um, teaching them financial inclusion, like how to um, save. What, what's SRH? 
sexual reproductive health rights. So okay, okay, which encompasses menstrual hygiene, like different different layers to it. So okay. they're basically okay. their sex life, family planning, menstrual hygiene, and um during all these conversations and like all these moments that I was with them. I, I was drawing more and more closer to them. And that was during COVID, right? And that was when COVID just hit and we went into lockdown, but we were always out there, like talking to these girls and working with them. Fast forward, it was time for me to do to do my dissertation. And I was just um, looking around topics that I wanted to pick, but I wanted to also write on something that was like of my interest or something that I felt like if I published a paper, something else could be done about it. Then I thought about them because I was spending more time with them. Like, so I thought about them and I was like, okay, I want to do something on COVID and then the level source of this Kayai girls because people, when COVID hits, nobody cared about how they were surviving. Like, so that's nobody, very true. I didn't even think it. I thought about it. Yes, yeah, yeah. because they closed down market and that was their source of livelihood. But nobody thought about them. It was, it was so sad. So, I, I looked into the coronavirus and then the livelihood of informal workers, but the case of headquarters in Accra, and that was my topic. So I started doing this research, uh, so I, more, I was reading more, I was doing a lot of literature review on the papers that people have written or literatures that people have done in terms of Kayaye, and so many works have been done. It's so many things that I found, like that I read on motivations, why they come to Accra, different like different people with different views on like so many things. And then at some point I was like, okay, um, let me put all this literature together. But then let me also, you know, more and more because I talk with them, let me design my questionnaire. So I had a lot of conversation with my supervisor who also got interested in the work because he'd like, he had always been working with them like closely too. So he'd worked with some organization that was, giving them alternative sorts of income. So they were supporting them in terms of savings. So they were they were helping these Kaya girls to save. But um okay. after their funding got finished. And so like so fast forward, I was when I started my when I was administrating my questionnaires, I was talking more and more with them. And I realized that these girls were like they were more than how people thought they were. There were some of the girls who had just finished high school and they are in Kayae because they want to get money to go to university. There were some of the girls who had who like who equally had dreams just like me, but the, my only difference with them is privilege. My only difference with them is privilege. Them every single time when I have a conversation with any of the girls, I come up with something different, like something different. There are some of them who was born into it because her mother has been doing Kaya for the past twenty five years, so she she grew like up in the market. Like a family trained, yeah, exactly. So she grew up in the market. There's another woman who had run away from marriage for the past twenty years. She said she was forced into marriage when she was twenty, and she left the market, and she's almost like thirty, and she's been in the market for the past years. So she's most she's most most likely to get married within the market space and then probably just stay in Accra forever and ever. And she has never been back to the north, like she has never gone back to her community again. And then some of them were mentioning communities that they come from. That, like, I asked myself, like, I, I have never even been to any of these communities. So, like, more and more, I was talking with them, and they like a lot of them has aspirations to, like, they want to be, like, they know that they want to be this in the future. They know that they are not going to remain in Kayaye for the rest of their life. They know. But these are things that 
a lot of organization miss. Do you get it? A lot of organization miss. Because when I was telling my friends that, okay, I have this guy, a girl who is with high school, her results was really good, but she she's just looking for money to go to university. Well, um, I was helping her fill like a form for Legon, and I was telling one of my friends, and she was shocked. She was like, ah, she never even knew like someone. Like it's, she didn't think it's possible that somebody would finish school, high school, and still come and be doing kayaking. Then and have like, to yeah. go and be a kayaker. Exactly. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like there are girls in the market, and some of them mm-hmm. they just come like so they come only on holidays. So they come like two months and then they go back. They come two months and so it's only when they are on vacation that they come to Aka to do kayaking and then go back. Just to so, get some money. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I I followed like all these things and then subsequently I started having conversation with my husband, my then fiance. Then we like so when we started having all this conversation, we're like, okay, what what can we do differently? What can we do best? And that's when we we came up with Ilmiha. Um so Ilmiha is a research institute with a behavioral science insights lab where we are applying behavioral science to unlock beta gaps needed to tackle social issues, including KIE. So what we are trying to do in terms of the organizational level is to come out with a comprehensive data for KIE girls across all the markets. Because right now, a lot of people don't know how many, and the reason why we are doing that is because we need to understand, that's why I said inside, we need to understand and profile each girl so that when, when NGOs and organizations are providing interventions, they don't put them into brackets because the girls are not a homogeneous group. Yeah, you that's because we could them have them out there for different reasons and then we yes. cannot use for everyone. Of everyone, girls. exactly. We can't use the same intervention for every one of the girls, you know, like every one of the girls, you know, because there are some of the girls, like I said, who are in school and then they just come back to Accra they come to Accra to carry kaya to do kaya just because they need money to go to school. So how then? Um, why then should an organization like any NGO come to the market and then provide training for them? Why you know even providing other source of um source of level income for them back home? Them. Because if if she had if she had an alternative back home, maybe she wouldn't even come to Accra at all. <laughs> do you get it? Or come exactly. and be in the sun here. Yes, and a lot of them sleep outside. They sleep on the street. They sleep in front of kiosks, and all forms of things happen to them. If, if like, like I said, my uh, when I was doing my research during COVID, I was like, okay. So, when when they lifted the ban after the lockdown, when they lifted the ban that we could now go to the market and all that, these girls were carrying loads with no smacks. Lovely. Can you imagine yourself carrying some, even without, when, even when you started wearing those masks without carrying the <laughs> Breathing is so difficult, yeah. So imagine, they were carrying Very loads They were carrying loads with no masks. And, and like so many things were just, and that is, for me, that is what really inspired us to form the behavioral science research institute. Yeah. So that okay. is what our organization is seeking to do. On an organizational level, the professional level, I work with the All Foundation, Asakaya Assistant. Yeah. So right. with that, um, I was going to ask, what, when was it time for you to leave the UN and then move on to the All Foundation? What was that aha moment for you? It was like, okay, now it's time, and then I have to do this. I have to go to my passion and make it work completely. So my husband and I had. 
um, been putting all this data and putting all, like, you know, few things together for Ilmiha. That's the research institute that we formed, right? On the side, yeah. even when I was at the NFPA. Um, I had been at the NFPA for the past three years. And for me, it was, when I read about the Oil Foundation, my sister-in-law sent it to me. And then this was where her was. She said, these guys are looking for you. This organization is looking for you. So when she sent me, she sent me the um, the advert, and then she's like, "These guys are looking for you, Samia. This is for you." So um, the next two days, I wake up, and two of my friends has also sent it to me on WhatsApp. And I had a conversation with my sister-in-law that next morning, and she's like, "No, she thinks I should apply for this. Like, this is this is my calling because she knows how passionate I am with the girls, because she knows what I was doing behind." doors like in terms of working with the yeah. girls when the project ended with UNFPA she knows what I was doing I was still consulting for other organizations like I told you my friend who is a doctor she ran, he runs Project Hope and what he does is that he, he engaged the girls like trying to tell them about knowing their body, knowing their rights understanding who to report negotiation, negotiation in terms of carrying loads for people and I usually go to help out like for free like I volunteer for him for free and then so he knows. I like, think that I'm, negotiation I'm, bit is very important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so my sister-in-law knows that, uh, like all this while, I have the girls at heart, and you know, you like you said, I go to spend time with the girls. Like even yeah. when 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 I have just free time, I go to spend some time with them. Like we have conversations. I I would tease them. We play games and all that. And sometimes when they have issues, when there's a rape case, when somebody has cheated somebody, when there's an abuse case, they call me. They call my personal number. So that's how. That is how far I built the bond with them. So um, the wow moment was when my sister-in-law was like, no, I think these guys are just looking for you. I think this is time. Like, I think this is where you've always wanted to be and all that. And then I'm like, okay, maybe it's time to really give it a try. So I started reading about the Oil Foundation. I went to their, like, I went to their website, read about them, read about what they were doing in terms of the Kayaye, and I was just, I was just mind blown. I was like, okay. This is a small organization that is making all this impact. I feel like I want to be here, you know. So, you know, as a person, you would weigh, like, all the thoughts and all that. So yeah, for the me, pros and the cons, exactly. what you wanted and what you didn't want. For, for me, it, it, it wasn't about the ordering, the ordering, like, a lot of um, things. It was just the angle to they working with the Kaya girls that sparked my eye. And I felt like, this is why I want to join the all. Like, it's because of the girls, you know. And, like, that moment of leaving a whole UN for a smaller organization was because of the girls. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be here because of you girls. And I want to follow it through to, like, to, to the last, you know. But um, in terms of the all, they focus on identifying and manifesting alternatives to dominant fashion models me i'm not a fashion person me i'm not really <laughs> interested in fashion but you know um i'm like i'm open to learning right and um is i i don't know i i felt like okay aside this kayai aside um social interventions that i want to create for this kayai girls i want to learn other things you know as a, a, a as a person who is always eager to go and eager to learn i feel like it's really like a good space for me to also learn much about the fashion waste in the fashion industry exactly so i gave it a try i applied for the program Mm -hmm. assistant rule and then they ran this they ran the the pro the name of the program is my program which is which means sisterhood so i went through the application process 
like I went through every single thing and then finally went went through the interview and then got the job. It was okay. quite fulfilling because during the interview, you know when you go for interview, you'll be able to tell whether you get the job or you don't get the job. I, I sort of felt like I sometimes. was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, not I all the time. Not all the time. I know that sometimes I sort of felt like because for me, like I, I think like everybody saw how passionate I am. Definitely, like that is yeah. cannot be downplayed. That's all over the place. Now yeah. let's switch it up a, a bit to the girls and then the all foundation. What is it we are doing for these girls? What is the program, and where do we see these girls to be in a few months to come? Okay, so um, like I said, the name of the program, the section of the program that I I I work in at the all is called Mabilgo Program. Mabilgo in Dagbani means sisterhood. And it focuses on exploring new training opportunities, especially in jobs that are usually reserved for men. So such as carpentry, plumbing, electrical, installation, um, AC fixing, bricklaying, painting. Oh. Yeah. So for that's me, this, this, that's what I said. So for me, this allowed me to sort of continue my women's rights advocacy and gender equality. Within a framework, yeah, that let's do this, women. <laughs> yes, that look that 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 look at it from issues of environmental justice, education, and then fashion lens. Because um, for me, it, it was like, okay, can we stop the hairdressing, the tailoring, the normal pedicure and manicure, the normal makeup and all that? Because that market is saturated. And then focus on something. Let's learn makeup, though. I still want to learn makeup. <laughs> you, you, you can, you can, but I mean that market is separated. And for yourself, exactly, lovely. For someone like you learning makeup and a Kaya girl who is learning makeup, with you, with all the tools, with all the social media tools that you have access to, the Kaya girl that a lot of them are not really very educated. I mean, not all of them, but a lot of them are not educated. She's not going to yeah. go back into her community, and and somebody would book her to. To come and do makeup for her. That's one. Exactly. Your market scope, your network, your first point of uh, market is your network. Unlike the Kaya girl. Did you get it? So there's also yeah. that um, that gap of privilege again. Again, there's that difference of privilege exposure. between you and the girl. Exactly. And exposure. Like so many, you and them. her would not be on the same level. No. Now? Market being saturated, the angle you came from it's also like very important considering yeah. after learning the trade and then where they come from every other person is doing it yeah, exactly exactly that if you go to a community like kuli there are so many tailors and even in kuli how many people even us even you and i let's even take you and i how many times do we make new dresses unless there's a wedding coming exactly <laughs> exactly so, I mean, why not we explore other things? Because if you look at the non-conventional roles, there are, there are things that women can go into and do it. And at least you make money that would last you for even six months. Because just imagine a carpenter who would come to you and fix your um, a table for you, a dining table for you, fix your credenza for you, and then fix a shoe rack for you. Imagine how much you are, you are paying for all that. And that money mm-hmm. can at least take the person for some six, three months before they they actually get new content again yeah. exactly but with in terms if you look at hairdresser yes 
one or two people will come and do washing once in a while. But how long? Do you get it? Yeah, that's that's true. Um, so, I also like the the thrill and the challenge that comes with learning the um the non convention. Like you said, um, social justice and all that. Um, making these ladies believe that they can do more. They are more than just. Exactly. more than people in their markets carrying loads, like challenging yeah. them to come out of their comfort zones in their shelf. That's really impressive. So um, yeah. I was asking about the program which you have um, spoken about. How are the girls adapting to it? them onto the process? Um, do you go to the market to handpick them? What makes you um, informed or let's keep this person as right for the program? Okay, so um, currently at the all, we have another program assistant who is um, who is not really educated, but she used to be a KIA girl. So um, one of her roles, like one of the things that she does in the office is to get these girls. So she handpicked them from the market and then bring them to the office. And then when, you, when they bring them in, we don't just put you on apprenticeship. We do what we call observation period. Observation period is usually for four weeks. So by four weeks, we should be able to understand, you should be able to also understand that we will observe you enough to know, um, to have enough conversations to know which apprenticeship you want to, what do you want to learn or where do you want to go? Like, what is your next step? And also during that observation period, we teach them um, how to be on time, how to show up on time at work and what are the things that you need to learn when you are working with someone. So in, once you put them on placement, you know, there are certain ethics they need to know, like basic work ethics that they need to know, Those, which is the reason why we put them up for observation period for four weeks. Before, they, the Our Foundation used to do a chiropractic research. So when the girls, they, when they get the girls, the first thing they do, the chiropractic research is to examine their back and see the effects of head carrying on them. And then they yeah. do like x-ray and all that. And the reason why they were doing that was also to understand what effect it has on them. So that you don't put her on an apprenticeship that will probably like make her more uncomfortable or like probably have like... Make it worse. Exactly. Because the way they are carrying the loads, most of them are carrying twice their body weight, which is not yeah. really healthy. Yeah. yeah. Most of them are carrying weight that they are not supposed to because So a lot of them have developed complications at their back. And um, it's it's so terrible because some of them have, you would see a girl who's like 15 years and she already has, her spinal cord already looks like somebody who's 17 years, which is not really, really, really healthy. Yeah. So, mm, um, okay, yeah, please go ahead. So, yeah, so basically we, we don't just bring you in and put you on apprentice. We bring you and teach you a lot of things, like take you through some ethics for four weeks before we actually put you on apprenticeship. And we don't decide which apprenticeship you want to be on. You decide. So we give them the options, and then they choose within the options that we are giving them. And the reason is also because by four weeks, you'll be able to probably coach and change, like at least not change their mind completely, but like you'll be able to coach her to understand that it is possible to do the non-conventional rule because a lot of them have reservations about it because it's not something they've already had. They've never even seen a woman yeah, being a used to it. You know. yeah. So recently we partnered with WeNot. We partnered with WeNot in the North. So we still have some of our girls in the North, right? And then we partnered yeah. with WeNot. Yeah. WeNot is the women. So yes, WeNot is a women empowerment um, northern project that they are running by Alina Foundation. So um, we partnered with them. So they have most of this plumbing, tiling, 
training, right? And basically, they just train females. Oh, they what they do is uh, yeah they they have like very intensive training in selected industrial traits for young women to build their hands-on skills and experience needed to like our community. So basically, what they are doing is training just women, like hands-on experience with women, and they they put them in different forms of trade, like different different forms of trade, like so the plumbing, the tiling, and all that. But then they explore civets civet institutions so the some of the girls are in tamil polytechnic some of them are in tamil training institute so we not designed the whole program and they oh, have like different forms and they have consent yes they have consent for women in their workplace for informal like sector they also have consent for women in those non-conventional rules because if a woman is in her menses the trainer has to understand that she can't come and be doing metal work when she's in her menses you get it especially yeah. the people that have that's fans. another good thing to look at yeah. yeah yeah so all those things are set they have all these gender um gender dynamics within the workplace what that's just perfect for the woman yeah okay. so they all has, has partnered with we not they all foundation has partnered with we not and um we're having our first pilot of 10 girls uh, 12 girls coming up after Ramadan, and I'm really excited about it. Ooh, that's I'm very amazing. amazing. <laughs> yes, and I'm so excited about it. I'm super excited. We, we can't what they, what they come up with, like, yeah, <laughs> we yeah. can't wait. That's really so, exciting. Yeah, so, um, back to when I was talking about Ilmiha in terms of our research institute, um, we are hoping that we would have a lot of more organizations looking at sustainable solutions for the Sky girls. Um, yeah. I, I, I had a problem with the, with the government building hostel for the girls. And one of the questions I was asking myself is that if you build hostels for them, then it means that you are going to encourage more girls to come because now it means that they have like an accommodation space, right? So now they are accommodated. Yes. But what, what if we look at it from an angle of developing more communities or more, more districts? That most of these communities are from can move to their major the major district to even work and make some level some income and then go back home because it's still migration because nobody can stop migration right but in terms yes. of the girl the the way they migrate is not healthy and it's not like it's not safe for us at the end of the day we are going to be doing more more harm to them than good so why not we develop most of the district's capitals and get them even if they are migrating they get to migrate to those places that can expose yeah, them the and prepare capital. them for bigger, exactly. Because mm-hmm. you will migrate and go to Italy and go and be sleeping outside, right? <laughs> because I don't think you have <laughs> yes, to. No, like, yes, and when I think about all these things, that's what comes to my mind. And that is what Ilmiha is trying to do. We want to find, we want to find this data that would provide different sort of solutions so that we know that if the oil is doing something related to Kayae, this is what they are doing. If we notice empowering Kayae, this is what they are doing. If Project Hope is empowering Kaya, this is what they are doing. If UNFP is empowering Kaya, this is what they are doing. If WHO mm. is empowering Kaya, this is what they are doing. So that at the end of the day, nobody is repeating any sort of solution. We are not going to be working in silos. We are at least making sure data that data available. Exactly. Yeah. And there's data available. And we are we are doing we're actually like empowering or working like to probably eradicate Kaya at the end of the day. So, so that one thing like, I want to know is um, in the line of work, what are some of the challenges? Oh, uh, so um, one key thing is um, teenage pregnancy. 
which you know pregnancy disrupts a lot of things so you um a girl joins in the program she's very serious she goes through the four weeks of observation she's being placed Mm -hmm. two weeks into placement she's pregnant and you know like the whole pregnancy disrupts which is something that is natural and especially if you are working with um women you should always be prepared for something like that yeah so um i think it's a challenge but it's something that maybe with time we'll find other alternatives to balance that equation. Um, for me, um, the challenge has also been reflecting on myself every single time because I feel every single time something new comes up and there are lots of surprises on this job. It's not even my job, my role at the all. My role as a founder, um, as a co-founder at Umiha, like Umiha. Yeah. Yes. My role as a co-founder, sometimes it comes with a lot of emotions so i close from work and then when it's time for me to spend time with the girls i go to the markets and there are so many stories that comes up and it just breaks you there are times i drive home crying like it just breaks you like you feel helpless like you feel like you can't really do so much you know so i I think it's a it's a challenge too another angle is also on why like you know the challenge of fandom because all yes. these are beautiful ideas, all this, you, you, you've not asked me how, how, how have you funded <laughs> the research institute. <laughs> I was going to come to that, but it's good you've you brought it up. So then, yeah. uh, how how Okay, so currently we are self-funding it. My husband and I are self-funding it. Um, most of the girls that we've taken, we've been able to help out of the markets. Most of the girls that we, we put in different, um, different um, apprenticeship and different um, solution for instance one of the girls who is in school um, I've been supporting her in my own little way so I'm not taking money from anybody and it's just my own little way we've been supporting her so it's self-funding for now and my sister-in-law has also been very helpful we had a girl um, so I, you remember I mentioned Yakub right he's a yeah. doctor my doctor friend who also works with um, Kayayu so he he even in terms of his organization it's also struggling because he's also self-funded it. so i think that's also like a challenge for us from what are the, some is for funding that you can look at like where do you think you can get some fund for um from generally because i know self-funding is very good you guys are doing a good job now but how sustainable is this in the next few years where do you think money can come from okay so um, <laughs> um, again, it's a behavioral science research, and it has to do with how we think, right? And I, 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 for now, I can't really say specifically this place, but I can say maybe eventually when people get to know what we are doing and begin to appreciate what we are doing, because once people begin to see the data that we've collected, and they, we've like we are able to present hands-on data a very food because it's the first of its kind like it's the first of its kind we've never had any consolidated data from anywhere this is the first of its kind i think once we are able to show that and organizations are able to work on with that and it works then i I think that would spark a lot of interest yeah yeah but for now it's basically um self-funding and other people who have just been generous to us that okay they think that we can use this money for this so i also had a friend from the US who came down because she saw my work and she was really inspired. So she recently came and she helped me do some donation to 
the Medina girls. So you know, I have girls from different branches. So she helped. Yeah. She helped me give um, the Medina Medina girls sanitary pad. I don't know if you saw my my post about sanitary pad because yeah. period poverty. You and I can afford sanitary pad, but what about the Kaya girl? Yeah, I so, think I saw that some time ago, especially yeah, outrageous. Yeah. Do you yeah, have so, any social media handles for the Ewing Have Foundation? That no okay. for now, but very soon we will. It's just okay. I post on my personal social media handle. Okay, so yeah. um, come back to your social media handles um in a few okay. minutes um. I've I've learned a lot from this, and I think your journey is a deep one, like especially with the emotional challenge bit, and then getting someone on a path and having to make sure that they are. I think just even being a behavioral scientist, like studying all of this, and like you said, for less people, it's a wild thing for all of us we keep talking about change change let's change the world let's change the nation from very young leaders like you and that is super impressive so um i just want to say you are doing a good for people like me who do not really um look at it and now we are now getting the education that these are people we should think about what are some of the last words you have for us Okay, so um, for me, generally, I would say less or just be kind um, as duty bearers from various communities. We are responsible for actively participating and understanding and engineering appropriate solutions, not mere just beneficiaries or interventions. Right? We are all contribute to what kind of solution we provide. And then to look at it from an angle of let's be the change that we want to see. I mean, it starts from us being kind. Let's just be kind and we'll light up the world and make it beautiful. Yeah. Most importantly, I, most importantly, please let's be kind to the girls when we meet them in the market. Let's let's stop be kind negotiating to their money. Yeah. yeah, stop <laughs> negotiating their money. I mean I think sometimes we break the money down what they are carrying is heavy, but they still go and pay them as little as two CDs, five CDs. Uh, I think one of the ways we can even change it, which is not magnificent, which is not so big, but um, leave the change, take the change, keep the didn't go into haggling with these people because they are actually helping us and then they need the money. I, that's the thing for me that if I should go to the market right, and I should need their help, if I'm giving you money, I know that it should at least be worth it. Yeah, it's be worth it. Like, you should pay 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 for that service. Like, pay for that yeah. service genuinely. Because somebody will pick a Kaya girl, roam around the entire market, and end up giving her two CDs or one CD. Please, let's just be kind. Like, yeah. Just okay. just like it's a, just like you have your source of livelihood. That is a source of livelihood for her too, as well. Right. So I'll take um your social media handles starting with IG. Okay, on IG is still me ha. Okay, I know them all. <laughs> <laughs> and then still... on Twitter. Yes, on Twitter. On Twitter is Samiha Yunus. LinkedIn. Samiha Yunus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not so much of a Facebook person, but I guess on Facebook it's still some. 
Yes, it's not some here. You miss on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Miha, uh, thank you very much for your You're time welcome. today. Thank you for coming on me. I wish you all the best with all of this and um, as much as possible. Let's we are going to spread the news around how people at least this podcast is also a step in the right direction, creating awareness. Sometimes um, the lack of awareness is also an issue. We should know more about this Kayayu um, girl or that Kayayu girl and what we can do to make their lives better. A good job you're doing, husband. I mean, having a life partner who is on this vibe with you, girl. Go, girl. <laughs> Thank you so much, lovely. <laughs> okay, Thank you, you have so a much. nice day. All right, you too. Okay. Bye. If you can't be anything in this world, the best thing you should be is to be kind to the Kayayo girl out there. This is something I think we should all take serious. Like that was educational, that was informative, and that is an appeal to our consciences to be kind at all times. You can follow me her on ho- all her social media platforms on I just told Miha, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Samiha Yunus. So Miha is working with the All Foundation now on a sisterhood project, as you have heard, which um, is looking at providing the Kayayi girls with non-conventional um, traits, that is traits that are away from the hairdressing, the makeup and the manicures, and then the pedicures that we all know about to now, looking at carpentry, plumbing um tiling bricklaying as an electrical engineer i think that is perfect because we don't really get people in those technical skills and then this is what we want and to believe in a society where a headquarter in the market can be a carpenter is a good one so to everybody out there with changing life a step at a time a girl like the Kudos to you, to you all. It's been a nice time here on Pop Cherries. See you next week. And if you loved this episode, please do share. I would appreciate a lot of awareness on this cause. This could be you helping a girl. Catch you next time. Bye bye.